through of the first chapter of Acts. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men. Everybody say, two men. Amen. There's quite a discussion about these two men. I'm not going to get involved in that tonight. Stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall... So come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they were come in, they went up into an upper room where both Peter and James and John and Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon, the Lotus, and Judas, the brother of James. These all continued one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, The number of the names together were about 120. Praise God. Let's pray and ask the Lord to help us tonight. Lord Jesus, we ask, Lord, that you be the instructor of this class tonight. And we ask, Lord God, tonight that you, mighty God, would speak to your church. We declare, O oh God, the wondrous works of thy spirit and of thy power. And we want, Lord, tonight, God, that you would minister to the church tonight and show them, oh God, we're in, Lord, lies the great secret and power and strength of the man Christ Jesus. Lord, that it might abide in us, oh God, and that we might become soldiers of the cross, whereunto you have called us into this great gospel of Jesus Christ. Praise God. Praise God. You may be seated. Might I remind you tonight, before we get started on this, that you might plan to be faithful here in the house of the Lord. We are planning a series of services from the 28th of this month through the 1st of February, so please keep that in mind. You have never heard this man preach before, and I haven't either, but they do say he is quite a preacher. And I think he used to be the superintendent of Connecticut. Praise God. So uh, we will be in services with them for about four or five nights. All right. Now, to kind of remind you of some of the things that, oh my, I forgot about this. Uh, how many teenagers are in my class? We're going to have some open discussions Sunday morning. 
How many teenagers here are in my class on Sunday morning? Would you raise your hand? Okay. I want you to write this down. You'll be discussing this with us Sunday morning. What had the disciples expected the kingdom of God to be? Would you write that down, please? What had the disciples expected the kingdom of God to be? As you listen to us teach tonight, you might even find out, which will help you. I want the Spanish to write this down in Spanish. I want all the Spanish people to get their pencil out and write this down in Spanish. <clears throat> what did Jesus have to say about the kingdom of God? We're going to expect our Spanish people to give us the answer on that Sunday morning. What did Jesus have to say about the kingdom of God? It's up to you to search the scriptures and you can choose among you who you want to be a speaker for you. Praise God. Maybe you should get together sometime, discuss it. All right, all the young married people that's in the Bible class on Sunday morning, this is what you're going to discuss. When, where, and how was this spiritual king? When, where, and how was this spiritual kingdom to begin? When, where, and how was this spiritual kingdom to begin? Those of you, the rest of you that's in the Bible class will be discussing this. <clears throat> When, where, and how is the earthly kingdom of God to begin? I said the other night that the kingdom of God is on earth with us right now. When I made that statement, I seen three or four faces out there. Their eyeballs got as big as saucers. Amen. It's with us right now. If you're not enjoying it, that's too bad, Brother Grubbs. The last question will be, when, where, and how is the earthly kingdom of God to begin? Praise God. Now, let me kind of overlook a little bit. <clears throat> I mean, not overlook, kind of overview a little bit of some of the things we've already said. Let us look at the very first verse, and we're going to speak a whole lot tonight on that first verse again tonight. It's an amazing thing about the first verse of the book of Acts is that you can preach for nights on it. Literally preach for nights on the first verse. Amen. That's how powerful that little verse is, and folks don't realize it. Now, the former treaties have I made, O Theopolis, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. <clears throat> We're going to speak a lot tonight on Jesus' teaching and what he calls them to do. Okay? Now, again, I'm going to say to you tonight that Theopolis, by the theologians, is thought to probably, I picked up another book on Acts today which says even more about that and even clarifies it a little more. And I couldn't bring all this to you. It's volumes and you get bored. 
You'd have to just read it if you're interested. Praise God. But it is thought that Theopolis was most likely a lawyer in Rome. The book of Luke is written to Theopolis. Luke, you can turn to the book of Luke, the first chapter, and the third verse. <clears throat> it seems good to me also, having had perfected understanding of all things, from the very first to write unto thee in order, most excellent Theophilus. So he is writing unto Theophilus. The book of Luke, Luke is the writer of that book. He is also the writer of the book of Acts. Now when we read the first verse of the book of Acts, the former treaties have I made, O Theophilus, sounds like, Notice I said sounds like they are on a little more familiar terms. <clears throat> Luke is a physician and a great writer. They all say that he is a very scholarly writer. And uh, this is translated from the manuscripts. And whether you know it or not, Acts. It should be Acts of the apostles and I I like what I read tonight I ran across this accidentally when you run around with us apostolics what do we talk about we talk about Acts the book of Acts it is said by the early Christians it was never called the Acts of the Apostles. First of all, it's not a book of the Acts of the Apostles, which is kind of misleading because many of the Apostles are never mentioned after the 13th verse. It is mostly written about two Apostles, one who has the keys to heaven and hell who opens up in order according to Acts 1 and 8, the gospel in Jerusalem, the gospel in Judea, the gospel in Samaria, and the gospel to the Gentiles. From there, the apostle Paul takes over, for he is the one born out of due season unto the Gentiles. So it is mostly about these two apostles that is written. However, other apostles are mentioned, such as James and John that was with Peter when they went into the temple. But it is not normally known as the Acts of the Apostles. And the early Christians did not call it the Acts of the Apostles. They simply called it the Acts. Praise God. And so sometimes I think we're probably more original than we realize. Just by calling it the book of Acts. Praise God. And that's really what it is. Now, <clears throat> let me clarify a little more about Theopolis and I'll go on from here. Uh, they say the reason of the narrative of these scriptures written by Luke and written to 
Theophilus, most likely a native of Italy, and others say a lawyer of Rome, and they said the reason why is because they need not explain to a Jew about the ninth hour. They would need not to explain to a Jew that Gamaliel was a doctor of law. It would be of no interest or of any value to explain to the Jews that Cornelius was a centurion of the Italian band. <clears throat> and so, and not only that, when you read the book of Acts, it describes in great detail the cities and locations of Judea which the person born in that country needs not that description. So you see, this book was in reality written in defense of the Apostle Paul and of the early church because the Jews had tried to portray to the Roman government that these people who were the New Testament church were another group such as I brought to your attention, and you'd have to get Sunday morning sermon to find out about that, as the Egyptians, who are over several thousand people followed him, and they destroyed him, and uh, of some of them that we spoke of, that Gamaliel spoke of when he was defending, how that if it be of God, you couldn't get away from it, but if it is of this group, It'll destroy itself and see these uh, Jewish scribes and Pharisees and Sadducees were trying to portray to the Roman court such as the same thing we're up against again today that this was kind of like an occult, just an, an offshoot uprising against the government. <clears throat> Amen. And so Luke, in his skillfulness, very carefully, he very carefully writes this to Theopolis and destroys all of this myth and brings to him facts. And this is the reason why it's written in the measure it's in. Now, when I made the statement well ago, I wanted you to come to this realization. Somewhere, the church begins somewhere there is a time for training to end I do not believe that we do things too right sometimes and yet we are not very apostolic in our approach today for if we were to have a great move of God around here it would be the new ones that would bring in new people into the church rather than those that should be able to bring in new people into the church. And yet it's more dangerous for our new ones <laughs> sometimes. You know, if they're really sick and tired of sin, they're not going to be easy to get back in sin. Amen. Praise God. But now let me say this to you new ones. There is a time that comes when it's time to stop training and it's time to do. And that's to everybody in the house, not just the new ones. 
Praise God. Now, you need to record this somewhere in your little booklet that the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are records of Jesus Christ's birth, life, ministry, death, and resurrection. We hear too often of the birth, life, ministry, and death. I want you to know Jesus is not dead. He ascended. The Catholics still have him hanging on the cross, but the church of the living God found him in the seven candlesticks. Hallelujah. Praise God. He's in his church working today. He's not dead. Praise God. Praise God. Now, when I say this, then there becomes something that becomes apparent that one must find out. This is called the Acts of the Apostles. But it is not only called the Acts of the Apostles. Now, we hear silly things today. I just wonder how many of you hear silly things today. We hear silly things like uh, Jesus did this and the apostles did something else. How many of you ever heard that silly thing? Well, what you need to do is get out there and start doing some visitation and you won't think we're so silly. Amen. It is, Brother Williams was sitting there one night witnessing to this old boy and I like to fell off the chair when he started trying to tell Brother Williams how the apostles was all messed up and Jesus Christ was right and the apostles did everything wrong and Jesus Christ did it all right. I thought, boy, this guy is the dumbest guy I ever met. Because if what he was saying was true, then the Bible would be the biggest book of confusion ever written. And I want you to know if you will look on the front page of this book, somebody still has enough sense to say Holy Bible. This Bible's holy. And anything's holy's not confused. Lying, cheating, deceiving. Hallelujah. It's telling it just like it is when it's holy. Amen. Amen. And there's no contradictions in this Bible. I'm sorry. The only reason why it appears that it contradicts itself is because you don't study it enough to know what it says. Amen. I'm going to get a hold of a contradiction tonight and give it to you. And plus, I'm going to bust it all to pieces. Praise God. Now, in the first verse, we must find out of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. Now, Jesus did certain things in front of his disciples. Why do you do certain things in front of people? To teach them. I used to be a scoutmaster. 
We don't teach to chop on trees anymore because we got a lot less trees than we used to have. And chopping on trees kill. So we teach now on trailing to wrap a red flag around or a yellow flag around and then follow with another troop to see if you can find that troop. It's not as easy as you think. Get you off into a bunch of trees that are 10 feet apart and they all look alike. You will evermore have to look around to find a yellow or a red flag. Amen. It's kind of like standing under a bunch of giant's legs. They all look the same. Except maybe a fat giant's legs are bigger than a skinny giant, but <clears throat> you can get dizzy looking around under there. So we teach them. Teach them how to locate. Teach them how to trail. I am one person. Of course, I was trained by the Army, plus I trained Boy Scouts, that I can literally go out in the field and live off of the land, even yet today. Out there in Kansas are very many plants that are edible. One of your prickly bear cactuses is one of the most nutritious things that grows in the field. All you got to do is scrape off the briars, peeling, slice them up, fry them in some of the best fried potatoes you ever had. There he's got. There are others out there you can cook. Amen. I say all this to tell you that you do these things to teach them. Some folks don't learn nothing. I learned some things not to do. I went and took a pack of Boy Scouts one time, showed them where a nest of bumblebees was. And then I told them, you stay away from there because they'll mess you up. Well, you know how some boys are, they don't believe nothing. So here come one of them dragging the whole bunch into camp with him. And did we have a time? <clears throat> Amen. You do things in front of them. I, I like watching youngsters that are inquisitive. I watch youngsters that are very inquisitive and some folks get mad at them. Leave me alone. Get out of here. You ought to train that youngster. Instead of telling him to go tell his mother she wants him. Amen. Praise God. <clears throat> Teaching. Somebody wants to be taught. Jesus healed the sick in front of the apostles. Why do you suppose he healed the sick in front of his apostles? Brother Grubbs? Amen. <clears throat> We're going to read that from the book of Luke, the writer of the book of Acts. Luke, the 10th chapter, verses 1 through 3. This is unusual, isn't it? Having spring weather in the middle of January. Of course, the Bible said the old earth would be like a drunken woman in the last days. 
Luke 10, verses 1 through 3. After these things, the Lord appointed other 70 also and sent them two and two before his face into every city. How did he send them? If there's ever a day, brothers and sisters, that we should go two by two is today. There, it is not safe for you women to go knock doors alone. You definitely ought to go at least with two. And you men, it's not safe for you to go alone. You say, well, I don't think there's anything could hurt me. Brother Bill Pickle, another preacher and I one time was knocking doors and there was a young lady about 22 years old was coming to the door, stark raving naked, not a stitch of clothes on. I don't think she even had her toenails painted. Opened the door and said, may I help you? <laughs> I never forget as long as I live. I seen her coming, so I jumped out of the way. And old brother Bill Pickle, was, he's always flapping his mouth. <clears throat> and he was flapping his gums at me and when she opened the door and said, may I help you? He looked up at her and he goes, my God, woman. <laughs> Scared that woman so bad, she slammed the door and ran through the other part of the house. He said, did you see that? I said, that's why I'm over here. I want to kill you, Elder. Why didn't you tell me? <clears throat> Praise God. It is not safe for you to go out there, fellas, by yourself. You need to go in pairs. Amen. Praise God. <clears throat> they say there's lots of that out there, and I hope I don't run into any more of it. Amen. Once is enough. All right. And Jesus sent them out by twos. He has a reason. One can win a thousand. Two can win ten thousand. You see, when the Holy Ghost works us with pairs, you know, take a good look at yourself. Take one good look at yourself. Now, not so much it'll stop you from going. But when you take a good look at yourself, you'll see that at your best, prayed through, studied the Bible, and everything, your flesh. And even with the Holy Ghost helping us, we're weak. How many of you have ever thought of a whole lot of things you could have said when you left? But when there's two of you, the other one picks up on what the other one's not doing. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. So work in pairs. Therefore said he unto them, the harvest truly is great, but the labors are few. And I think they're getting fewer and fewer. I thought, I look at Brother uh, Von Morton with great admiration 
and respect. But Von Morton has a larger church than ours. His church runs right around 350, 400, somewhere along there. He said, Brother Elder, they'll tell you I run 1,000, but it's not true. He said, I'm going to tell you really what we really run. I really admire somebody that does that. Brother Nate Wilson's church is running way up there, and it's not very old. He took it just about four or five years ago, running 70, and it's running already close to 400. And these men have some great abilities that God has given them. But I was surprised at this year in California at the uh, Brother, uh, what's the other one, honey, that's so wonderful of a speaker out there Randy Keys man I wish we could get Randy Keys come preach for us I'll try to get him <clears throat> but I listened to them as they preached to that great host out there on how it's getting harder every week to get folks to get involved in outreach and witnessing to their cities You know, I like the way Brother Tom Johnson's church does it the best. I believe Brother Tom Johnson's church is closer to biblical than any. I wish it would work around here, but I don't know how to make it work around here. That is, they never have a day of visitation. The church just goes out and visits on whatever day they have off. And goes out and teaches. And so constantly the church is going out. All the time. It may be Sunday afternoon. It may be Saturday evening. It may be Saturday morning. It may be Saturday afternoon. It may be Monday night. It may be Monday afternoon. The church is out in the city visiting. Somebody said, well, how's it working? They recently had a banquet out there and they had 69 present at the new convert banquet in the last, how many months, honey? Six months? Sixty-nine adults at the new convert's banquet in the last six months. It works. They build a church to seat 400 and some, and they're starting this year getting ready to build the next big phase. There is revival, but you have to go after it. It won't come here. It is said that if you never go out to reach your city and you live in that city for 12 years, you will not win, but you will reach 5% of that city. But it is said the church that goes out and witnesses and does outreach will reach 80% of its city. That doesn't mean you'll win it. It means you'll reach it. Now, but the Bible said, to them that sow sparingly, they reap sparingly. To them that sow plentiful, they reap plentiful. It's according to us how much we're going to have a move of God around here. 
Amen. Amen. They are not going to come roaming through those doors because they don't have anything else to do. But if somebody will carry the good news to them, they will come. Praise God. Praise God. How many of you believe the gospel still works today? I haven't lost faith in this gospel, folks. This is a certified seed. I haven't lost faith in this gospel. The only reason why some folks might not declare this gospel is because they themselves have lost faith in it. But if you have not lost faith in it, then you would declare it. Amen. Praise God. So Jesus taught them how to go out. He sent them out. It is scriptural for us to send the church out into the byways. And the Bible said to tell them, compel them to come to church. That is scriptural in the apostolic church. Praise God. Now verse 9, and he and heal the sick that are therein, and say it to them, the kingdom of God is come nigh unto you. We do not go out and pray for the sick because they are saved. We go out and pray for the sick to bring to them the kingdom of God. There are a lot of people out there that are skeptics and agnostics and all kind of other things. But just let you lay hands on one of those skeptics or agnostics and God heal them. And they have reached a kingdom they have never known of before. Now they are convinced. They're not convinced because you say so. They're convinced because this application has been applied in their life and it's not deniable. Them dumb, stupid Pharisees were as bad as the church of Christ. They said, stand up and deny this man healed thee. And he said to them, all I know is once I was sick, but now I'm well. Church of Christ told this old man down in Texas, you can't be healed for 20 some years. He went out to a Pentecostal revival meeting one night. He didn't get baptized. He didn't get the Holy Ghost, but they prayed for him and God healed him. And they found him out in the garden working the next morning. Some of his Church of Christ friends said, well, well how'd you do this? <laughs> he said, I went down there to that Pentecostal revival. They said, well, they don't have nothing. He said, well, what they got's pretty good. I'm out here working this morning. Come on. Come on. How many of you believe it still works? Yeah. Praise God. He told me to shoot some cortisone in there and, and I get cancer. And I went over and had them a couple months ago shoot some stuff in this shoulder and shoulder blade and boy it felt so good for, for two months. I thought my goodness 
I shouldn't have suffered all that much. And I'll tell you, the last three nights, this arm feels like it's going to fall off. And I said, you ain't getting no more cortisone, so you might as well get yourself where you need to be at. Boy, you're going to get healed. I laid in bed the last three nights, half the night, wide awake. This shoulder feel like it's going to fall off. And all the time, something sitting on my shoulder hollering, cortisone, cortisone, cortisone. I said, go ahead, holler all you want to. God's going to heal you. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Praise God. I have been in a bad position with God before. I found out that sometimes God will take you all the way to see, but if you don't give in and you stand still, you will see the salvation of the Lord. Come on. Come on. I'm on the winning side tonight. I'm not on the losing side. Now Jesus said in the 16th verse, he that heareth you heareth me, and he that despises you despises me. Some of you have never figured that out, have you? You think when they get on your case that they just don't like you. Well, why don't you find out it's the Jesus in you they don't like? Hello? And the 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through his name. That's what worries me about saints. You need this application to happen in your life. Not once, consistently. But we should never get excited that the devil's subject to us. Because if we ever get excited that the devil is subject to us, then we become God. And when we become God, we're in trouble. We have to start all over again at base zero. And that's why Jesus said, don't get excited that the fact that the devil's subject to you because just let me take my name off of you. Just let me take my spirit out of you and see what you can do with the devil. Without his name and without his power, the devil make a streaker out of you. Amen. Amen. He said, don't be excited to the fact the devil is, uh, uh, you know, subject to you. And he said unto them, I beheld, no, he said unto them. Notwithstanding in this, rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your name, rejoice because your name's where? Where's your name at? That's what you get excited about. I got my name written down up there. So when I get to the gate, they say, yes, sir, we've been looking for you. Come on in here, Brother Brian. We've been waiting on you. Now, I know Brother Brian's not wanting to go, but. Well, maybe if we're going to have the rapture tonight, he wants to go. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I've never seen any young person jump up and volunteer to go. 
kind of like that old drunk going down the sidewalk and preacher asked him if he wanted to go to heaven. He said, no, sir. He said, you don't want to go to heaven? He said, no, sir. He said, you want to go to hell? He said, no, sir. He said, well, these people in this line want to go to heaven. He said, that's all right. He said, you want to go to hell? He said, no, sir. Well, he said, don't you want to go to heaven when the Lord comes? Oh, yeah. He said, that's all right. He said, I thought you was talking about right now. It's God. And not too many young people want to go right now. Got big plans. I won't preach on that tonight, okay? Hallelujah. Take no thought tomorrow. Hallelujah. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we was biblical? Boy, you talk about the power. All right, now I'm going to quit there and let us go to, um, I went to Luke. I want to go to Mark, the 16th chapter. The first verse of Acts said all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. Now, there is no contradiction to him who studies the word of God. Amen. In the book of Mark, the 16th chapter and the 15th verse, and he said unto them, Go ye into, wor into all the world, that's even the United States, <clears throat> and preach the gospel to every creature. Now you'll have more results if you don't sit out there and preach to the chickens and the rabbits, but you preach to people. Somebody said, how's come this says every creature? Well, I think the reason it says every creature is because Jesus is not prejudiced. Hello. I don't think he wants to spend too much time on the creek bank preaching to frogs. I don't have time to explain to you why tonight, but if you ever want to know why, I'll tell you. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now, what is the gospel? Here we go. Verse 16. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be saved anyhow. Hmm? Well, the New Testament Christians today tell you you can be saved without being baptized. But the Bible said you'll be damned, destroyed. And I believe the Bible. You know why they are coming against us Christians who interpret the Word of God literally? They don't like phases in the Bible like this. And they say, you mean you take that literally? 
honey in hell, you'll find out literally that Jesus meant literally what he said. You also should read your scriptures and it says not one jot nor not one tittle. That means don't mess with it. Leave it alone. Obey it and do it. Amen. Now here we go. Verse 17. And these signs shall follow them that believe. Everybody say believe. believe. You know how I can tell when a kid believes me? When he does what I tell him to do. Don't stick your hand in the fire. And does it anyhow. He didn't believe me. He still don't believe me, but he knows now why he don't stick his hand in the fire. There's some folks don't believe nothing, nobody, anything, not even themselves. They learn everything by running into telephone poles, ripping their britches on bob bars, jerking their fingers apart in pliers, and skinning their nose on the end of a grindstone, and... They don't believe nobody for nothing. The only way they learn is just knocking themselves from here to there. Hello. Praise God. Excuse us, folks. This is telephone night. All right. These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall cast out devils. This is a sign of a believer. Casting out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall talk in a new tongue. Somebody said that means you'll quit cussing. That's not a new tongue. That's just an improved tongue. Some folks don't know the difference between new and improved. Amen. Hallelujah. It don't mean you'll just quit cussing. It means you'll speak in a language you never have spoken new. Amen. Amen. Brother Loopy, if I started speaking in Spanish like I've been talking it all my life, it'd sure be new to me. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, they shall take up snakes. Somebody forgot to bring a box of snakes tonight. <laughs> That's where Church of Christ jumps up there and said, well, you preach everything else, how come you leave this out? Brother Westberg has the best answer to that. 
that you ever heard of. He said, we have an example by the founding fathers of the church as to what to do according to this scripture. Show us anywheres Jesus Christ brought a box of snakes to church. Show us anywheres in the Acts of the Apostles they brought a box of snakes to church. It's not there, honey. And I'm going to tell you something. It doesn't mean that. And when you interpret to people what it does mean, it makes them matter than a hornet. John the Baptist knew what it mean. He looked at a bunch of them and called them vipers. Jesus Christ knew who they was. He looked at them and called them serpents. We handle snakes. You'd never know it. They got blonde hair and blue eyes. Black hair and brown eyes. They're not called rattle and they're not called... We've seen a lot of them that's got cotton mouths, but... Amen. Preacher one day was standing around praying. Sister come up and said, Brother, I put my tongue on the altar. He looked at her and said, Sister, I don't believe it's long enough. <laughs> Praise God. We had a lot of snakes. I told you you wouldn't like it if I told you what this meant. We still take up the serpents and we don't drive a box of them to church either. And I'll tell you something, Satanism is on the rise. I think there are a lot of stupid things going on. <laughs> My wife and I was listening to a talk show the other night. <laughs> and this guy got on there, and he was a Christian, and what he was talking for and standing up for was good, but the way he was doing it was so stupid. And finally, the <laughs> he got to asking the commentator some dumb questions, and the commentator told him, said, no, and he said, I don't pick my nose in public either. <laughs> Praise God. <clears throat> Let me tell you something, folks. The Bible said for us not to cast the pearl before the swine. I'm not going to make a fool out of my God. I love him too much. I'm not going to do like some of these dumb Trinitarians either. A woman told me that a judge told her right here in town, that's why they don't think much of us. They think we're all a bunch of dumb clucks like they are, but they're learning about this bunch. 
He asked one of them women, he said, well, he said, uh, you talk in tongues? And she said, yes, sir, I do. He said, well, let me hear you. So she just started rattling off a bunch of stuff. She might have been talking in something, but it wasn't as the Spirit of God gave the utterance. Because the gifts of God are not used that way. Hello? You hearing me? This is not to make foolish our God. He said, They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. Then shall they shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Now, we always read this many verses and we stop there. But because we stop there, many of you are ignorant of the fact of how the puzzle goes together. Let us continue the next two verses. So, I, so then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he, received, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. Don't worry about that. We'll take care of that later on, okay? And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following amen. Now, between these two verses is a whole lot left out. How many are with me? Are all my Spanish brothers and sisters with me? I said between these two verses is a whole lot left out. Okay? So we must go to the writer who is more explicit, more careful as he covers things. And that's Luke. In Luke, the 24th chapter, the very last chapter of Luke. You see, the Bible is not written to be read like, and I keep picking on Louis L'Amour, and the reason why I do is because he's about the only one I can think of. Seen a whole bunch of his books on the shelf the other night. I said, well, they told me I ought to read you. So I started looking at him. He's walking into town with his hand like this, and I thought, man, I don't need to read that. <clears throat> I got enough problems with myself without reading that. I mean, that's my nature anyhow. A lot of times I felt like shooting and then talking about it. That's where them hillbillies are where my pappy in law came from. Old boy get caught out there after they told him not to be around there, they'd shoot him. And a bunch of them get out there with their long toms, you know, and look at him and say, you know, he wasn't too smart, was he? Said, you ought to know that he could run faster than that. He couldn't climb a hill very good, could he? He sure wasn't too good at hopping over them rocks, was he? They used to shoot and then talk about it. You think I'm kidding, but I'm not. What'd they do to that sniper over there in Kentucky a few weeks ago? They didn't save his neck like Kansas would have. 
They let him kill 21 people and then they took him to prison for 10 or 15 years. He done it in the wrong state. He don't do that in Kentucky. One of them cops just zeroed in on him and put him out of his misery. And I'll tell you what, we'd stop these prison rides too if they'd start putting them dudes in an electric chair. You'd be surprised how fast them prison rides would stop. Well, I'll get back to preaching. Hallelujah. Where was I at? <clears throat> oh, yeah. Verse 21. Thirty-eight, verse thirty-eight, and he said unto them, Why are you troubled, and why do thoughts arise in your hearts? I even thought about asking folks that question. Behold, my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bone as you see me have. Now this is Jesus Christ who has come back into the midst of the disciples. They are in this room. They have the doors locked. Somebody said they had the windows locked. I'm not sure there was some in that room. Praise God. But they have the doors locked. They are afraid that the Romans are going to come in. They're afraid the Sanhedrin soldiers are going to come in on them and falsely accuse them and do all kind of things to them. And Jesus just steps politely through the wall. And the house is all of a sudden full of the glory of God. And he looks at them and said, Why are you troubled and why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Now, why did Jesus say this to these folks? Because these are the ones the church is going to start on. And he has spent years and months and nights and days bringing the scriptures to them. Training them. And he said, after all the things I've taught you, why are these thoughts in your heart? My God, that ought to talk to some of us in here. Behold my hands and my feet. It's I, myself. Handle me and see. It's not a spirit. Of course, you know good and well if somebody come walking through that wall tonight, everybody in here be. Must be a spirit. <clears throat> Hello. Praise God. Hallelujah. And when he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they yet believed not for joy and wondered, he said unto them, Have ye here any meat? Now there were some things about the master. He did the same way all the time. You know, some of us have got to the place that we think it's wrong to pray a certain way all the time. I don't believe that. I used to preach that, but I don't believe that no more. You know what we have done by preaching that? We have broken up consistency. And if there's anything that will save you, I believe a habitual fasting life will save you. I believe a habitual prayer life will save you. And if 
there's anything we need in the church of the living God today, it's consistency. Now, I don't believe you have to fast every Tuesday and Wednesday to be saved. There are people who fast every Tuesday and Wednesday after they get the Holy Ghost, and by the time they're 57 years old, they'll try to teach all the new converts they had to fast every Tuesday and Wednesday. That's a bunch of baloney. Amen. Amen. Fact is, they themselves could change, but it might throw their system out of joint. I won't get on that. <clears throat> I fast and pray and use occasions. That's right. If I know that I'm going to be around 50 dozen preachers and be in a conference and call upon to hold position, when you go to them conference, just because you're not in position don't mean you won't be. Because as soon as you get there, you might find you're the chairman of the resolution committee. You never find out till you get there. I walked in to general conference this year. One of the preachers says, you know, you're on the tabulating committee this year. I said, I am. So I ran down real quick at the registration booth and got me a, a, a schedule. And sure enough, I was on the tabulating committee. No letters sent. No district superintendent told me. No nothing. When you get there, you find out. Amen. So I never normally, unless the Lord is really talking to me strong, I never choose that time to fast. But it's a fantastic time to pray. Amen. So there are some things that we could do because God give us wisdom and good common sense. Amen. How many of you believe that tonight? In other words, we can be apostolic, but we don't have to be ritual. Amen. Hallelujah. I do believe habitual helps us. Praise God. Where am I at? Okay, now. Jesus did things a certain way. So he asked if there's any meat in the house. And they gave him a piece of broiled fish and of a honeycomb. And he took it and did eat it before them. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Now, they knew it was him by the way he blessed, break the bread. They said, we got the master in the house now. You read the word of God, you find out them two fellows that was with Jesus on the road to Emmaus, they were close to him and they had been close to him and they had been with him before they were with him now. And, he, and they was really happy about this stranger was with them. But when he blessed bless the bread and break it they said hmm this is more than a stranger this is he hallelujah 
then open he their understanding. How many of you want God to open your understanding tonight? Then open he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. How many of you want to understand the scriptures? Praise God. If you understand the scriptures, you can be saved. Praise God. Now, and he said unto them, Thus it is written, Thus it behooved Christ to suffer and arise from the dead in the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Okay? Where's it going to happen? Where's it going to start? Where? You sure? Are you sure? And you are my witnesses of these things. Who's the witness? No, sir. Who's the witnesses? Was you there? How many of you were there? Who's the witnesses? The twelve apostles. In this case, maybe eleven. Old Judas may have already done his number. Possibly did. Most likely. Could put a few more phrases in there, but I'd get in trouble. And he, and behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. And he led them out as far as to Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. Where did they go? Where's Bethany? It's at the foot of Jerusalem. It's about what, Sister Elder? Two miles at the most? I thought when they said we was going to Bethany to Lazarus' tomb, and we was in Jerusalem, we was at uh, the Valley Hinnon, and they said we was going to Lazarus' tomb in Bethany. Boy, I got on the bus to sit down and relax. Man, I've been walking and walking and seeing things and hearing things, and my head was just swimming, and I said, boy, we're going to sit down and relax a while. And they fired up the bus motor, and it was about like they drove it from here uh, Maybe down to the quick shop at uh, 17th and Adams and shut off the motor and said, here we are. I said, what? We're already in Bethany? Man, sure wouldn't took Jesus too long to walk from here down to Lazarus. I'm in pretty bad shape, but I believe I could make it today. Took him three. Where were they at? In Bethany. Bethany. They were in Bethany when, what did he do? Came to pass that he blessed them. He was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him. Now listen to these writings real close. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem 
Real sad. How are you going to get the Holy Ghost? You're not going to get the Holy Ghost. Real sad. You're not going to get the Holy Ghost doing penance. You're going to get the Holy Ghost with great joy. Believe in God. That he's forgiven you of your sins and he's going to put his spirit in you. And you're happy about it and excited about it and you're praising him for it. That's how you're going to get it. That's how they got it. And they were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Amen. Now this verse says they were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. And then we read other verses it says and they went into the upper room. Somebody said, see there, the Bible contradicts itself. One verse says they went in the upper room. The other said they went into the temple. The Bible doesn't contradict itself. It's our ignorance that's hurting us. Sister Elder and I were there in that building. It was not the original building that they went into. But it was a building, a replica of that building, built very much like it as much as they knew how to build it like it. I don't even remember how many steps we went up, do you, honey? Boy, was a bunch of them, wasn't it? Bunches of them. I mean, all the way around that building. I was going up that thing. <clears throat> the temple was down below. Now, they... I'm saying these things for your benefit because there are millions of dumb clucks out there. You say, why do you say that, Brother Elder? Because they tell you, how could 120 get in that little dinky upper room? Well, let me ask you something. Have they been there to see it? It's big, isn't it, Sister Elder? I mean, you get 200 in there. I wouldn't be one bit surprised you can get 300 in there because it is as big as this building is inside and I think we can get 300 in here well just to give you somewhat of an idea I just happened to think of something there was five busloads of us in there at one time I never had thought of that before but there were five of those great big greyhound busloads of us in there at one time. Well, our busload was in there worshiping God, and one of the ladies got the Holy Ghost in there. She went there to the upper room to get the Holy Ghost, and sure enough, she got it. There was another busload of UPC people already there before we got there. And they had the spirit stirred up when we walked in. It wasn't really anything we'd done. They was worshiping and praising God. They were in the upper room. They was excited about it. And they were singing, the wind is blowing again. The wind is blowing again. And boy, I mean, they had her puffing. Hallelujah. And we walked in there. You could feel the presence and the power of God. And we started in with them. Just like the day of Pentecost. The wind is blowing again. Well, our old poor old bus guide, he'd been drinking pretty good that day. And 
he got up there on the steps and a couple preachers followed him right up on the steps and started preaching to him. They figured right there's the place to have church. <laughs> Praise God. We started working with that woman. Sure enough, she got the Holy Ghost. And you guys think Jimmy Swaggart's so great. You watch him on television. You think he's so wonderful. I tell you one reason why I have no use for Jimmy Swaggart. They jump, they dump three of Jimmy Swaggart's busloads in top of us and by the time they got in there the woman already was receiving the Holy Ghost we were shouting dancing talking in tongues she was worshiping praising God for what had happened to her and they seen the real Holy Ghost they didn't see son diddy eye shikamo shy they seen the real Holy Ghost and I'm going to tell you what Jimmy Swaggart's bunch did. Tears streaming down off of their cheeks began to look at us and say to us, and a lot of them were French people who couldn't hardly speak much English, saying to us, Oh, me too, want that. Me too, want that. Me too, pray for me, pray for me. And we wound up praying for a whole bunch of them people. I don't know how many of them got the Holy Ghost. I don't even know if any got them. But I know a whole lot of them got something more than what they had. And for one time, they seen the real. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So they went into the temple. By going into the upper room, they were in the top of the temple. God put him in the top of the temple for a reason. Because he was going to pour out the Holy Ghost on him in there. And he was waiting until the day of the wave offering, the day of the praise, the day of shouting glad hosannas unto the king. There ain't nothing to make you shout glad hosanna to the king like the Holy Ghost. He was waiting till the day of Pentecost was fully coming, buddy. He dropped his bomb in the upper room and she exploded right when the courtyard and the temple was full to the brim of Jews from every nation. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. I get excited about it over and over again. It's a story that never gets old to me. Praise God. Now, let us do a little comparing here. And I'm going to close tonight. I need to, don't I? Better get this off where I'm watching tonight. Yeah, we'll be up here before I know it because I still got lots to preach. All right, I want to compare some things here to you. Let us compare uh, verse 51 and 53. And it came to pass, while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven, and they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Let us turn to Acts, and that's where Luke quits. And this is where he picks up. You know, if I write a love letter to my wife, I most generally will pick up where I left off. Amen. Luke was writing to Theopolis, and he picks up where he leaves off. And if you notice, verse 9. 
Okay? And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go to heaven. Then returned they unto Jerusalem. What they do? They returned to Jerusalem from Mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they were come in, they went up into an upper room where abode both Peter, James, and John, Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, Zelotus, and Judas, the brother of James. These all continued one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and with his brother. Notice how one picks up where the other and left off. And I just thought of while I was reading that. Can you matter? I wonder how long it was between the book of Luke that Theopolis got this and the book of Acts that he got his next letter. He was standing around Maybe a lawyer, very studious, very sharp in the mind. Know what the spectacle's out. Thinking about that. Luke signed off this chapter that he just disappeared. <laughs> Strange feller. And then after a few hours and days, he gets him off his mind. He gets this new letter from Luke. And it starts off again with this disappearing act. Hallelujah. The Lord will bring something to you and bring something to you till it's clear. This Bible is put together more beautiful than a glove. I don't know how many gloves I put on this year. Probably more gloves have went on my hands this year than my entire life. I've taught myself since I've got older to wear gloves. I changed a 220 volt line yesterday. And I told the fellows working with me, I said, I'm not about to touch this thing without a pair of gloves on. Somebody said, it won't help you. And I said, it sure helps me. Come on. I happen to know the difference. I touched them with gloves and without gloves. Amen. I'm not going to get into that. What I'm saying to you about a glove is I put so many on this year that I can put on a glove anymore and tell you whether I want to wear it or not, whether it fits my hand. The Bible is better than any pair of gloves you ever put on. It goes together better than that. It's not the Bible's fault you don't understand it. It's your fault you won't get into it. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Praise God. 
Now, I want to do a couple more things, and then we're going to close tonight. I want you to compare St. John. No. I want us to compare verse the Luke 28. Keep jumping back and forth. Luke 24, 49. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high with Acts 1 and I think 5. I'm fixing to close here and we'll pick up next week on this. Acts 1 verse 5 for John truly baptized with water but ye shall receive but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. There are some folks today who will make you believe the Holy Ghost fell before the day of Pentecost. Hmm? Where at, Brother Key? Where at? St. John 20 and 22. 21. St. John 20 and 21 then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father has sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. And there's some folks today that will tell you that the apostles received the Holy Ghost here. Lion dogs. This is Jesus Christ commissioning. Whomsoever sins you remit, they are remitted unto them, and whomsoever sins ye retain, they are retained. And you'll never get one of them lying dogs to read past here. Because if they read one more verse, they're in trouble. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. No, the 24th verse. But Thomas, one of the twelve called Damas, was not with them when Jesus came. So pray tell me, when did Thomas get the Holy Ghost? He wasn't there. Somebody said, well, Brother Elder, where did he get the Holy Ghost? Real easy. Acts 1 and 13. Acts 1 and 13. And when they were come in, they went up into an upper room where both Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, and I believe Luke put it there on purpose, Thomas.
Where did Brother Thomas get it? With the 120, where they all got it, in the upper room. The fifth verse even declares they don't have it yet. And the last writings of Luke's writings, the 49th verse of the 24th chapter, declares they do not yet have it. And none of them get it until Acts, the second chapter. My friend, I'm closing this with you tonight. This is all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. And I'm closing with these two verses. Acts 1 and 3, to whom also he shewed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. They never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost while Jesus walked on earth. First Corinthians 5. Verses 3 through 8. <clears throat> For I verily as absent in the body but present in the spirit have judged already as though I were present concerning him. Oh, that's not the one I want. I wanted the one in 1 Corinthians, but I wrote down the wrong verse where Paul said, and over 500 of us. Yes, that's it. That's it. I remember as soon as you said it. 1 Corinthians 15 and 6. After that he was seen. I want to read four in that. Verses 4. And that he was buried. And that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And that he was seen of Cephas then of the twelve. After that he was seen of a of above five hundred brethren at once of whom the greater part remain unto this present but some are fallen asleep after that he was seen of James then of all the apostles and last of all he was seen of me also as born out of due time hallelujah Jesus Christ walked with them talked with them he told them to receive the Holy Ghost, which was a commission. Amen. Somebody said, why did he breathe on them? As an example of how it would come to them. The Bible said when they received the Holy Ghost, it came like a mighty rushing roar of wind and filled all the house. Let us stand. We'll move on from here in our next lesson. Praise God. How many of you glad for the word of God tonight and the power of God and the Holy Ghost? Hallelujah. Let us give praise and glory unto God tonight.
Oh God, we worship thy name. We praise thy name. We're asking, Lord, once again, Lord, that you cause us to be apostolic, oh God, and to follow after thy footsteps and thy paths. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.